Um, Richard? Yes, Emily? What's that a huge pile of stuff just off to your right shoulder in your office? Well, that's just my Doctor Who DVDs. Mm, are you sure it's safe? That's a lot of DVDs that you've got there and it looks like it might fall over at any moment. Hmm. Well, I can't move them because they're holding up my work notebooks and my technology manuals. Oh, Mm, okay. Well, that's not the sort of work-life balance I was expecting from you. We're back for episode two of If It's Hurting, It's Not Working. Yeah, so it's our podcast all about work, why we work, how we work, and what makes a great job. So I guess the first thing we wanted to say was thank you to those who've listened to episode one. It's great to see that people were were listening and, and talking to us about it. Yeah, it was good to see that people engaged with it and they've enjoyed it. Some of the feedback that we've got is great to hear already. So for a pilot episode, hence we're back for episode two. Yeah, yeah. And, and I dare say that when you're, when you're walking down the high street of that small market town that you're talking about, you must be bumping into fans all the time now. Uh, no chance. <laughs> That's a good thing with the podcast. You can remain faceless. <laughs> Yeah. And one thing that I particularly enjoyed about it was it was really great to hear from some former colleagues who got back in touch, mainly via LinkedIn. So thanks to those of you who did that. It was great to have an opportunity to chat with you. And in particular, I mentioned in the pilot episode, a former manager who had helped to turn my career around. And as a result of that, of doing the episode, I got back in touch with them. Because he left the organisation not so long after that, that time, I hadn't had the opportunity to explain to him previously quite what that had, had meant to me. So, so that was nice. It was nice to be able to, to let him know uh, what had happened and, and to get back in touch. No, that is a really good positive to come out of it, isn't it? It's given you that opportunity to reconnect with former colleagues. And talking of current colleagues, there's us trying to keep it under the radar of what we're up to and the organisation that we work for. And lo and behold, the CEO came up to us both and praised us for the new podcast. So the best laid plans and all that go straight out the window. So that was really nice of him to come and reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we've got listeners in high places. Of course. So one other thing, uh, and, and it's a slightly delicate matter, Emily, but I'm, I'm just wondering what it is I have to do in order to get you to accept my invitation on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that you <laughs> I understand that you've got a, you've got a filtering process to make sure there's no riffraff in your network. Oh no, that's so funny. <laughs> Should I tell you what it actually is? It's that I very rarely go on. Um, <laughs> I try and keep my social media platforms down to a minimum, mainly because I'm so busy. But we we'll get onto that um, more in this episode about work-life balance, won't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so so as as Emily says in this episode, we're going to be talking about work-life balance. Yeah, because historically, pre-pandemic, it was very clear-cut, wasn't it? You'd go into the office, very routine, nine to five every day, or you'd go off to the, the building site or whatever your trade. And that's still, it's, it's really strange, isn't it? Because some of us 
have always been able to create a work-life balance easier because the type of work that we do is more fluid whereas like I just said somebody that works out on a building site it's very scriptive you have to go in at a certain time start at a certain time you know that you've got tea break at 11s and then you've got lunch at one and then you go home at four mm. so their work-life balance while they do start early they're clocking off quite early so yeah the perception is they get a lot of time for home life and to to get a balance there yeah i mean that that's that's exactly the kind of working pattern that i had when i started work predetermined tea breaks lunch times and you know you left your work in the office you would you wouldn't think to bring it home mm. and thinking about it you know it's kind of historically how how i grew up as well i mean my mum my was a teacher so maybe she brought marking home but but my dad as a salesman you know you, you can't really sell anywhere other than out on the road or, or in other people's premises so so yeah that that was like i guess you know what i expected work to be like i'm now picturing a tall dell boy <laughs> well, if you imagine uh, a, a, a tall northern Del Boy, then maybe. <laughs> but yeah, the way it's moved on, it's moved on so quickly as well. And I think one of the benefits, but also the side effects of that, is how much more over time the lines have been blurred between work life balance. We're living in an always connected world. We've got laptops, phones, all of the apps that you get pinged for. I mean, if I just look on my iPhone at how many notifications I get throughout the day, that the the analytics on that is quite scary, actually. And just seeing the analytics on my 16-year-old's phone of how many notifications, pickups, interactive times he has, I'm just like, that's crazy. So so that's changed a lot over time, hasn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I... I tend to see it as a positive in that it gives me the opportunity for control, I guess, so long as I'm disciplined. Mm. So so if I know what it is that I want, and if I stick to the, the idea that I've got in my head, then it, it gives me control. I mean, obviously, over the last year and a half, it's enabled us to work in a lot of different places other than the office. So that's that's great. But also, it enables me to work you know, when I'm on the move, or if I get up early, I want to do something. I, I can use those different devices and applications to to do the the work that I've got because I've got, as you say, because I've got that kind yeah. of job that allows me to do it in that way, uh, and, and I don't have to be in a particular place at a particular time. Absolutely, because it was the same as me the other day, wasn't it? I said to you, right, I need to get out more of the home office, being cooped up indoors. So I just had a week off, and I wasn't particularly looking forward to coming back to my little hole. So I went, right, okay, I'm going to start my morning off with a walk. I took my mobile with me and caught up on just my Teams chat messages. Yes, it was a little bit bumpy as I went along, but it gave me the initiative to think, actually, I really can do this. And if I've got, I had three one hour meetings to get through that had been recorded that I needed to catch up on. So nine times out of 10, those meetings are talking it's only every now and then that you have to look at your device to look at a presentation slide that's being shared or things like that so i just picked up my device and went off and worked while i was walking i mean for our organization that that, that's like radical change isn't Mm. it (laughs) but it's the the change in technology and the way we work that's being driven that enables us to do that 
and it's a bit scary at times because you're not used to it and everybody hates change to a degree but you've really got to go and embrace it someone once said to me well yeah because if you don't embrace technology and the change that's happening you just get left behind and they were so right yeah i mean i guess in my case partly through a career choice in technology and partly because of an enthusiasm for it then then i suppose i'm predisposed towards that but i think also I feel like I get I get more out of the ability to be able to to pick up stuff. I mean, something will occur to me, and and I'm you know it might be in the middle of the evening, and I feel much happier if I can just get that thought either noted down or stuck into an app or something, and then I know that when I come back to it in the morning, it'll be there waiting for me, rather than worrying am I going to remember that when I need to the following morning. So so having that ability just to pick something up in the moment and deal with it. I think it's better for my peace of mind than having uninterrupted time in the evening. Yeah, and that's the the thing, isn't it? It's about what works for you as an individual. Yeah. And I think you outlined really well at the beginning there that it's about discipline as well, because I've experienced it where I've had a lot on at work. I've got a work mobile, so I will find myself picking it up rather than just doing what you've done and noting something down to do the next day so I don't forget. I'll do that, but then I was getting into the loop of, oh, and I'll just have a look at this email here yeah. and then. And I think if you don't put really stringent rules around how you do it at the beginning, then it can be a hindrance. But it's about what works for you as well, because if you're sat down on the sofa in the evening and you're replying to emails and things, but you're actually trying to watch the television, that's not good work-life balance. <laughs> no. No. And I mean, I'll tell you another time that it worked really badly was I was on holiday and I learned about a situation at work that was a concern to me. And mm -hmm. I actually then spent most of the day and in fact, a lot of the following week thinking about that situation, which I would have been oblivious to otherwise. And I could have yeah. you know, enjoyed the holiday much more. And, and I mean, there wasn't anything I could actually do about the situation while I was on holiday. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was a, a help to know. So, so frankly, that was a good example of when it, was, it just got in the way. Yeah, and I think holidays for me is one where if I'm on leave, unless I know that I've got to do something that I've run out of time for, or there's something particularly that I want to catch up on, I will turn off my mobile on the day that is my last day at work that's it the mobile goes off the laptop goes off because otherwise i can't resist temptation hmm. i will check in on it and that's why <laughs> yeah. it was really good that i got a work mobile because yeah. before it was all on my personal device yeah. and that meant i couldn't strike that balance i'm one of those people that i can't resist temptation i like my job <laughs> so if I was somebody that didn't like my job, it would probably be a lot easier to go, no, I'm not going to touch that now because it doesn't interest me. Mm. So I think that it really is about self-control to a degree and and relying on people around you, isn't it, as well, to go, mm. I think, without being too nosy, are you working a little bit too much? Or your partners, your wife, all at home, your children, you can see the telltale signs when you're not in the room to pick up on those and be aware of them. Sure. Okay, I mean, moving to a different subject in the same area, I'm a parent, you're a parent, Emily. I mean, how do you manage to, to, to get a balance in your life around parenting and around work? 
So for me, it's always been a tricky one because I'm a single parent. My son's father was around, but not a lot. So he wasn't the best support network that I had when I was going back to work. So I went back to work when my son was only six months old. At the beginning, work for me was a means to an end. I needed to work. I didn't particularly want to be working. I wanted to be at home raising my son, seeing his first crawl and first walk and first word. And my childminder, she was amazing. She didn't tell me when he did all of these things. And then I'd go in the next day to her and I'd go, oh my God, he walked last night. He took his first step. And to this day, I don't know how many milestones I actually saw of his that were firsts, but she let me believe, bless her, that they were all firsts. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, and I worked full time. Hmm. But at that time, I worked for an organisation that were very structured. My start time was, I think, at nine o'clock and my leave time was half four or something. Um, It was very clear from the start when I went back from maternity leave that those were the hours that I was going to do pre being a single mum. I'd quite happily stay on and do extra. But I'd had that conversation with my manager that went, look, my priorities have changed now. I still need to work and I still want to work for you as an organisation. So this is what I need to do. They were a very small business as well. Family run, local motorcycle firm. And... They were very understanding because I think they had that appreciation. So there's been other organisations that I've worked for as well, which have been a lot more corporate, very dark ages, weren't open to me having to take calls from the school or dash off. Yeah, where I've had to go and pick up my son from school because he's been unwell and then the pressure's been on to, to get back and make up that time or it's been docked from my annual leave so all of those things as a single mum has been quite stressful throughout but yeah as he's 16 now I've worked out the best way to manage that and with my previous organization and the current one that I'm in they've always been really good in terms of flexibility and I think a lot of that's down to the line managers that I've had they've all had been in the same boats bar one actually they weren't a parent but they could understand, they could see that I was committed to my role. I was doing my, my work. Yep. I think that's what it comes down to as well. Yes. A lot of it is if you, you're doing what you're meant to be doing and you're delivering, they don't mind if you need to go off and do X, Y, and Z or start really early one day to be able to go and pick your son up from school. Yeah, life as a single mum and working has definitely been challenging at times. But it's something that I've had to strike a balance with to be able to raise him. So, mm. yeah. Yes. How about you? Because um, things are slightly different for you as a situation. You've got your wife at home. and Well, yeah. So, I mean, my, my wife took time off when my daughter was, was small to look after her. And then when she got a little bit older, my wife went back and, uh, and worked part time. So that that got around some of the problem, my, but my, my daughter also went to nursery from time to time. I mean, I guess the biggest problem that I faced, and I, and I, I will admit that it's it, it's much less of a problem th- than for mothers. But because you because you're a dad, and there's a there's a sort of casual acceptance or, or, or thought at work that well, the mothers do all the looking after, so what, you know why would you? So when you do have to leave early to pick up 
your daughter from from somewhere or if you say actually i want to take some time off to to go and see her in uh, a school thing or whatever there's that kind of look of uh, you know are, are you really? serious about that yeah. you know is that, is that really something that you have to do i mean not i'd say universally i i'd say like you i've had some a very thoughtful line managers and, and and you know people who understand what it is to be a parent but you do sometimes get that kind of reaction and so I'm, I'm mindful i guess you know when i've been in roles of line management that you don't need to be making assumptions i, I suppose about what people's family arrangements are and that you know fathers and mothers both need to to, to have a, an opportunity to take part in childcare. i mean some other things i think that can come into the equation i suppose a work-life balance are with your partner or or, or your, your spouse that i suppose different career aspirations or, or or trying to trying to get everything to work that way you know certainly in, in my case most of my life my wife has been a full-time worker and so you know there is there is that issue of well okay who's going to take time off when when the daughter's sick or yeah. equally if i'm if i'm going to be away for a few days so sometimes you know I'm, I'm at a different location oh gosh suddenly all the the parenting falls on the on the other partner i mean my way of getting through that particular maze is, is to make sure that i identify all of those possibilities early and mention yep. them often so that they don't come <laughs> as a surprise <laughs> yeah and also and get it in the bank that but it's okay because i'll do x y and z <laughs> when i get back and i'll give you like three or four hours however much time you can give back to them where they can go off and just be them again rather than mum hat on on her own yeah yeah i can imagine and i think that's it isn't it it's about striking that balance as well with your partner your spouse at home where you talk about it and you work out what works best for each of you to achieve what you need to do at work. And the other thing I think that impacts your work-life balance as well is your commute. I mean, yeah. the distance that I've always commuted to work, I've been very fortunate. I've always managed to find jobs that are within 30 minutes car journey to me and they're all mainly on rural roads so the worst that can happen for me has been that I get stuck behind a bloody tractor and a combine harvester not a massive tailback on the M25 yeah. because there's been a huge accident you know so if that's the worst that I can get then I'll, I'll take that any day <laughs> because <laughs> there you know and and there's I think there's advantages to having that commute in even though it's small because it gives you a chance just to switch off from right I'm just had the worst morning at home mm. kids didn't want to go off to school or something else has happened you know like it does at home but it gives you that time to de-stress before you then get in the office I don't know if you're the same Richard you value that commuting distance and time yeah it's funny you should say it I mean I for a while i actually had a commute that was almost too short uh it was i mean you know people used to look at me askance when i said that but it was about 12 minutes between where i lived and work well i hope you cycled for the environmental <laughs> impact <laughs> uh, uh, had i cycled it would probably have taken an hour but yeah it, it was 
I guess sometimes not long enough to allow me to kind of think all the way through a particular problem or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, you're never satisfied. And my current commute, which is sort of 25 to 30 minutes, sometimes a bit longer, sometimes feels frustratingly long. So I, I don't think we're ever satisfied in life. But it, it, it does give that, that bigger gap, as you say, to think through issues or to distance yourself from them before you know, before you're, you're going through uh, one set of doors. And of course, you know, the last 18 months, the, the commute time of a few seconds gives yeah. you absolutely no chance. I really value listening time in the car as well. And uh, I've had to find other ways, I guess, of, of getting my listening in. Yeah. And I think it's been really strange over the last 18 months. And I think we'll cover off the pandemic on our next episode. But it's, yeah, it's it's really valuable time, I think. And for a lot of people, what I'd seen as well as them going out and going, right, well, I'm not physically commuting to work anymore, but I'm going to use that time to go for a walk or something like that. And again, it's setting boundaries for yourself, isn't it? To strike your work-life balance. I'm not particularly good at doing that. <laughs> I start off the week well and, and do a, a virtual commute in a different, going for a walk and stuff just to give me that headspace, but it doesn't always come to light when things are busy at home. Mm. We all function in different ways. So one of the things I've been doing more recently is I do quite a lot of work early on and, and, I, and I get a chunk of stuff done. And that I, I feel that then gives me the license to maybe have the opportunity to go in and do a walk and, and, and get some balance. So, so, so yes, maybe I start early and lose some of the time early on that I, that I would have ordinarily been in my own space rather than workspace. But yeah, the, the ability to get things done and to achieve and, and to be uh, making progress then gives me an opportunity when I've maybe run out of some of that steam to go off, take the time for a bit of a recharge and then come back yeah. again and have another go at stuff. Yep. Yep. Like a power hour in the morning. Cause I'm the same. I'm a, a bit of an early riser. I'm normally out of bed by half six, seven o'clock and then checking in on the emails and stuff by half seven, eight o'clock. And then we'll blast through a load of stuff. And like you say, I think it's really nice, isn't it? To be able to have the opportunity to go, right. I've done that. And now I'm going to have some guilt-free time back to re-energize and get the imagination flowing again to then be more productive at work and i think that's basically Mm. what what people need to do by striking a good work-life balance is not measuring the amount of time you're sat in front of your computer or with a hammer in your hand or whatever your trade is or your job role is that you're doing is that you're actually fundamentally the bottom line is you're looking after yourself and you're getting the best out of your work time and you're getting the best out of your personal life and creating that balance yes and i think you know we were talking about this a little bit in the in the last episode i mean work is also about fulfillment and i think if you feel like you're able to achieve what you want to do in work and you're also able to to achieve things outside work then that helps with your sense of getting what you want out of life and i think i think you know if either of those things suffers if if your job isn't enjoyable well, you know, your, your, your personal life suffers. But equally, I suppose, if you're not taking the opportunity to, to do some of the things that you enjoy, regardless, I guess, of how interesting your work is, then again, the, the overall thing suffers you, because you feel like you're not getting the opportunity to do some of the things you really want to. Yep. No, exactly that. We've also had some, some colleagues that we've spoken to within the last year who have those jobs that are much more, I guess, structured. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so so they don't have the opportunity to to be as flexible, I suppose, in start time or whatever. But I mean, they have still been able to, I guess, to get some of that balance into their lives. You know, m- maybe by restructuring their week slightly. Yeah. Uh, I know. I mean, some of the ones who 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 work out on on sites have said that they've they've structured it so that they get an opportunity to work at home maybe on a on a friday having having worked out and about all week and then they use that time to to catch up but maybe also do a bit of personal development or something like that yeah and that's something that we we spoke to a few of our colleagues about quite a bit wasn't it on how they can speak to their scheduling teams to get them to schedule in sort of admin time if you'd like where they can catch up and all all of the initiatives that our workplace put on for us that they don't necessarily get time to hmm. get involved in because of the fact that their job is so focused and throughout that shift they've got to be focused on that what their task in hand you know it's about going but that doesn't mean that you're completely unable to engage with the work-life balance they may not be big wins that you're seeing all the other corporates achieving but that doesn't mean that you can't achieve some small ones that actually can make a big difference to them feeling really part of the wider organization because like they're the cogs aren't they that keeping that machinery going in the background if you're trying to put it into an analogy you know and then you've got the outer cogs that are all the corporate workers that are then churning all the paperwork and doing all the imagineering and they see all of the outer cogs getting a lot more great initiatives go in but that doesn't mean that we can't get that precious time for those inner cogs to be able to access all of those great benefits as well and we've managed to achieve that by talking to our colleagues haven't we which is great yeah and i guess also we may have listeners who are self-employed or you know who who work in their own homes i guess we've all got a sense in the last Mm -hmm. year or so of what that might be like you know if you are self-employed i guess again there's that sense that you might just want to to keep working to you know or you have to keep working in order to make money and again it must be relatively hard to 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 have that balance when your place of work is also your 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 place of residence yeah definitely How do we incorporate the where you can afford to live as well? Because I think that's a really good point to make. I suppose it's all very well to assume that people have always have choices in some of these mm-hmm. scenarios, but being able to live close to a particular place of work, you know, sometimes isn't a matter of choice. It's a matter of affordability. And yep. so if you can't afford to live near where you work, then uh, you know, I guess you have to accept sometimes a, a longer commute or more difficulty in that regard. Well, yeah, it's needs must sometimes, isn't it? And if it's the, the toss up between, OK, I'm either unemployed or I take the brunt of the commuting being quite a long commute and then therefore the expense of the overhead of fuel and stuff like that. You know, and, and it's, it is that some people don't have the choice. They've got no choice. So, so, so I think, I mean, the key thing about that is understanding what you have control over and, and what you don't have control over. Yeah. And if you, if you don't have control over something, I mean, certainly, yes, you can wish it were different. You can, you can fight really hard to make it different. You can do all those sorts of things. But in the end, if you can't change it, then you have to look at what the things that you can change. Yeah, 
No, exactly. And it could be that somebody's been out there job hunting for so long. What they do in their profession is no longer viable for where they live. And then they have to assess, well, do I need to move to be able to fulfil that? Or do I take a different career direction and, and switch things up? So I think where you can afford to live really does have a big impact on what you do. Mm. There's quite a few more affluent areas like around us that mm. I'd love to go and live in. But it's just, you know, <laughs> you've got to set your set your limits as well, isn't it? You yeah. know, I live in this nice rural town, but I can tell you I don't live in the centre of this nice rural market town. <laughs> I live in the outskirts because yeah. I just, so, you know, it's it's about being realistic as well, isn't it? Yeah. My other half would say, you know, you've got to be a realist. We can't go and live down in that that small house in there because it's the equivalent to what we've got over here and it's just not affordable. <laughs> Our yeah. wages won't pay that. Well, the, the other issue is, of course, that, that if you're not careful, you, you stretch yourself to your absolute limit and, and then all sorts of other things become problematic for you. You know, I mean, mm. I, I've absolutely been through that where your finances just don't add up. Your salary doesn't pay the mortgage and all the other bits. And that's, you know, that's a highly stressful situation. Oh, so, God, yeah, so, so yeah, you, you definitely don't want to get yourself into that situation. It's much better to accept something that's realistic rather than uh, put yourself through the mill. Well, yeah, and that's the same when I was going back 15 years when I first moved out of my parents' house with my six-month-old baby into my council flat. It wasn't where I wanted to be and never where I saw my life going. But you know what? It's what I could afford at the time and I would have been lost without that. So I've spent quite a lot of my family life with my son in affordable housing and council housing. And do you know what? I would have been lost without that. So again, for me, it was what I could afford, where I could afford to live was mm -hmm. dictated to me by my situation. And I think the more you stick with it and you keep your end goal in sight and you work hard, play hard, save hard, you get to where you want to be. Mm. Circumstances change. I've now got a partner as well, which means that we've got a combined income that changes mm. the affordability of where you can live as well. So that brings us to the end of episode two, but coming up in episode three, you can expect to hear us talking about the pandemic and the catalyst for new jobs or career changes. Okay, so look, thanks for listening. Thanks for getting through to this bit. We've got we've got a Twitter account at if hurt not work, where we post uh, clips and other stuff. <laughs> You're you know hiding. I'm hiding behind my face <laughs> <laughs> because I've just realised we're about to promote our Facebook page that I still haven't set up. <laughs> I did start today. So yeah, you can get us on Twitter, but also our Instagram account, if it's hurting, it's not working, is set up. I am in the progress of setting up the Facebook page. I need to sort out my work-life balance to, to, get that, <laughs> <laughs> to get that loaded. So you will also be able to check us out on Facebook. Again, if it's hurting, it's not working page. So please go over there, like and follow our posts and accounts. Yeah, and I'm posting quite a lot also on LinkedIn. So again, you should be able to find posts there for the podcast. And we will, I guess, also get round to posting about other stuff that's related rather than just relentlessly promoting our own podcast. Although I guess when you're starting out, a lot of it does tend to be that to create yeah. listeners and, and where you can help enthusiastic listeners. If, if you can rate our podcast and leave reviews in places where people see it, you know, in particular, somewhere like Apple Podcasts, 
that would be absolutely great to help other people to find us. And also go out there, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your colleagues and your neighbours. But if you didn't like it, don't go and tell us all. Yeah, yeah, there's nobody needs to hear a bad review. So yeah, if you don't like it, wipe us from your phone and you know we, we won't get upset. In the words of Thumper's mum on Bambi, if you've got nothing nice to say, then don't say nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back soon and you can expect to hear from us in about a month. Thanks for listening. Brill, yeah, yeah. Bye for now. Hi, everyone. We're back for episode two of If It's Hurting, It's Not Working. Hey, you've been learning that. I know. I didn't, I, I didn't overthink it. That's why. Is this bit you want me to get involved in as well? Or is this all you? Well, I was waiting to see if you were going to say anything. I know. I could see you were having some pauses there. And I thought, they're not normal pauses. Is Richard waiting for me to talk? <laughs> so if you want, we can start that a bit again. And I'll get involved. So, so thanks, everyone. What did I say? Oh, mind blank then. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, Richard. I'm I'm rambling now. I need to stop. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you're going to have a right old field day doing all that editing. <laughs> but it gives you that time to de-stress before you then get in the office and put your work life hat, change, whatever you want to say. Cut that bit out. <laughs> it's interesting that um, it probably isn't at all interesting. No, go on. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> So that kind of brings, that kind of, no, it doesn't. It does bring us to the end.